Hey everyone, we're back to another episode of the Road to Revenue series. Today's episode will bring you peace and happiness. We're going to go over how to forgive yourself so that you can forgive others. Bring peace, happiness, and even certainty with me on the Road to Revenue and Happiness. Tweet me at David Meltzer, your favorite takeaway from today's episode, and check the show notes to see how you can text me or email me at any time. This is Entrepreneurs The Playbook. Good afternoon, everyone. We have Friday training. It's my favorite training. It's the Friday forgiveness training, how to forgive yourself and others. And we have to realize that we cannot forgive others without forgiving ourselves because we can't give what we don't have. Now, forgiveness is so powerful. And I used to tell people forgiveness gives us peace. Forgiveness is the tool that clears the interference between us and the interference between our potential, our limitlessness, our infinity of who we already are to remind, recollect, and remember that we are worthy, we are wealthy, we are healthy, and most importantly, we are happy. And without forgiveness, we will just continue to construct and create all types of interference, ego-based consciousness that will not be cleared away. The only way to peace is through forgiveness. And in order to forgive, we have to forgive ourselves between our own six inches of our mind so we can give it away just like we give away everything else with appreciation. We give forgiveness away with appreciation, meaning when we appreciate something, we add value to us. We add ourselves to us, the sincerity, the vibration and frequency of who we are into the forgiveness as we give it away. So many people will tell you, you know, oh, they don't deserve my forgiveness. You're right. Nobody forgives, so deserves your forgiveness, but you do. The reason you forgive other people and you give your forgiveness to other people's is because you deserve the peace. In that component of peace, it's closely tied to all the four pillars, right? Number one, gratitude itself, the ability to find the light, the love, and the lessons in every situation is a catalyst in order to allow you to forgive. And accountability itself is the result-based mechanism in order to learn the lesson by telling yourself, I myself attracted this to myself. It is the conduit between liability of blaming other people, being in shame, justifying things with separation, right? The minute we justify things, we continually create a separation, an inferiority, a superior, a need to be some anxiety, stress, worry, whatever it is. Most people don't realize living in a world of liability as a victim where everything happens to you is a way of separating yourself, not remembering, recollecting, or reuniting or reminding the fact that we are one creating this peace, this peace that gets rid of the interference between us and that great source of light, love and lessons and truth and potential of what we already are and the ability to appreciate it through gratitude to find the light, the love and lessons to give it away with more value through what? Forgiveness. Forgiveness gives us peace and allows us as a construct to identify as a tool What is creating the interference? The ego-based consciousness. I have repetitively told people that we have primal fears. Uh, Of course, Freud talks about these primal fears, the need, of course, to feed ourselves, to fight someone, to flee from a scary situation or the other F word that my friend Gary Vee likes to use. These things need to be identified and forgiveness is a mechanism that allows us when we feel that we need to forgive someone else It is a certain mechanism that it's time to stop. We would not feel the need to forgive unless we were faced with the construct of primal fear. We would not feel the need to forgive if we not in separation of inferiority or superiority. If someone doesn't make us feel angry, we wouldn't have a mechanism of forgiveness. If somebody didn't make us worry or resent them or be offended or be uh, angry, anxious, frustrated with them. These are all mechanisms that forgiveness is used as a tool to allow yourself to identify when you're in this ego-based consciousness. And it's so important to do so because when you're utilizing the Freudian fears, the blood leaves your brain and goes into your body. So you can fight, so you can flee, so you can feed yourself with the other F word. 
But the problem is in order to move towards the trajectory of what you want by knowing your what, your who, your how, your now and applying your why, by doing so, you need to use fear to identify what it is that's putting you in the wrong trajectory, that's creating more voids, shortages, and obstacles by pushing you off in the wrong trajectory. You see, if you know your what, your who, your how, and your now, and apply your why, you are now taking your intention and moving it synergistically, right there, aligned with what you want. Impossible to do if we don't utilize forgiveness to determine when we create this void, obstacle, shortage, or interference. Forgiveness is the most powerful tool because it creates peace. And that's truly what happiness is. When we are at peace, we are happiness. When we are at peace, we are one with everything that we're connected to, with the most powerful source of light, love, and lessons and everything else. When you determine that you feel that you need to forgive someone or something, you know to stop, right? We don't resist the forgiveness. We don't try to accelerate through it and fight it. We don't try to move around it, over it, under it, lie to it, cheat it, manipulate it. Simply stop. When you feel the need that you need to forgive something, you know that you are an ego-based consciousness. And forgiveness will give you that peace so that you can breathe through your nose, out through your mouth, so that you can reach that neutrality that peace provides. See, in the state of neutrality or being center is a state of flow you are allowing the greatest source of power to run through you with appreciation for everything that you want, like a beacon calling out to the universe for exactly what you want, increasing the statistical success and efficiencies of an exact universe that we live in, a mathematical universe, for things to come to us more rapidly and accurately, without resistance, without obstacles, without fear, anxiety, worry, anxious, whatever, anger, worrying, you know, worrying to me, every time I say the word, I say, why do people wish for what they don't want? That's all worrying is. Worrying is an indicator that we need to forgive ourselves. So how do we do it? How do we forgive ourselves so we can forgive others? How can we have this peace, neutrality, this center, so that we can be synergistic, supplementary, aligned with what we want in a constructive way, not a destructive way? Well, we need to utilize the practices that we have of the what, the who, the how, the now, and applying the why. If anybody wants those practices, that template or my book, david at dmeltzer.com. Just reach out to me anytime before, after. Also, I failed to mention all those filling up already. Q&A, we're going to do a Q&A after every training here. We do about 30 minutes of training, 30 minutes of Q&A. So put your questions in the Q&A section uh, if you want. So how do we utilize forgiveness? Well, in a conscious level, forgiveness is a way of canceling negative thoughts. It's a way of canceling the ego-based emotion or consciousness. So number one, when we feel a need to forgive, we identify the fact that we're in the primal fear state, that we have been triggered in some mechanism of a person, a snapshot, an idea, something negative. And we all know when we have a negative idea, we cancel it. Well, one of the mechanisms of canceling is forgiveness. And the mantra of conscious canceling is I forgive myself. I forgive myself. Now, I coach a lot of people, you know, obviously everything I have is available for free, search.dmelter.com, all my podcast, the playbook, the TV shows, elevator pitch and two minute drill, and now office hours, everything's for free. But I do have group where I can give once a week, one-on-one -on -one attention to people or even one-on-one. -on -one. And a lot of times people have troubles in relationships, not because of what someone else has done, but because they have misused their trust. They are ashamed of themselves for some activity that they participated in, which breached the trust of someone that's intimate to them or created a separation of disappointment, of inferiority in the situation. I had one of my clients uh, that did not treat his spouse uh, in the correct way. And when she found out, she kicked him out of his house. And he was married for 20 years four children, kicked him out of the house. And he was distraught and he was begging her to come back. Please, please come back. Forgive me, please. I, you know, I, I need your forgiveness. 
And I told him, before you can ask for forgiveness, you need to give it. You need to give it to yourself. The energy itself creates resistance, voids, and obstacles. When you ask somebody for forgiveness, it creates resistance, voids, and shortages. You need to come just like love and love yourself. Others will love you. Forgive yourself. Others will forgive you. And so I told him every time that you have those thoughts of the primal fears that you have, all the times that you identify this trigger because of the shame that you have through accountability, gratitude, and of course, forgiveness, simply tell yourself, I forgive myself. Wake up in the morning with the mantra after you pray for 10 people that you can help every day, after you pray for at least 10 people that can help you, after you pray for the thankfulness of what you have, tell yourself, I forgive myself for blank, blank, and blank. If you are not living your, if you are living your life in the enjoyment of the consistent, persistent, right? Everyday consistent, persistent, without quit, pursuit of your potential, then you should be forgiving yourself every morning because it means you've made a ton of mistakes. If you have not have anything to forgive yourself in the morning for, then you're not trying, you're dying. You need to expand and grow and accelerate. You need to make mistakes and we're all gonna make them. And I'm okay understanding that I forgive myself. And if you tell yourself, it will then program your subconscious as negative thoughts that exist there as you clear the negativity out of the 40,000 of the same thoughts that you have that you may be less than or not worthy of or whatever other interference or story that you've been telling yourself since childhood or genetically inherently put within the quantum being that you are, simply program forgiveness into your conscious and subconscious so that you can activate forgiveness as a beacon within the construct of your DNA, as a construct of your quantum being. You are a forgiving person, a peaceful person. When I uh, lost everything, I had a neighbor who, who was a close friend and I uh, trusted him, but I didn't vet him. In fact, my wife asked me to vet him. She said, why would he uh, do this business deal with you? What, why are you so special? You should vet this. I'm like, no, no, I, I trust him. And I can't tell you how many people in my life uh, that I blamed and I wanted you know, they wanted my freedom, but I blamed them for what happened because I didn't vet them. Because I didn't vet them. It was my, I'm accountable for what I attracted in my life and what I'm supposed to learn from it. And if I vetted them, I could have learned the lesson without experiencing the pain, right? If trust and vet is a mechanism to save yourself from having to forgive yourself in the morning when you wake up after you tell yourself, I pray for at least 10 people I could help. I pray for at least 10 people that could help me. And more importantly, I forgive myself for this, 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 and this, because I'm accountable and I'm accountable. I've attracted this to my life and the lessons that I'm supposed to learn from it. And so moving forward from there, we can now give forgiveness. So I had a neighbor I did a business transaction with. I did not vet the business transaction correctly. I was accountable for attracting it into my life and it was a catalyst to a whole bunch of other decisions that led to me losing over $100 million and going bankrupt. Well, as I processed these lessons and learned forgiveness and learned to forgive myself, I had to talk myself into it through this practice, these mantras of I forgive myself. It took me nine years until quantumly, until sincerely, I could feel forgiveness in my heart for the situation that had happened. There was a bunch of attacks and judgments and separations and anxieties and fears and all types of things that occurred from our party and their party and lawsuits and neighbors and all types of things that I have forgiven myself for. And after years, you know, I used to tell uh, people all the time, I am so grateful for this happening. I'm so grateful and thankful. I forgive uh, him for this happening but I'm more than that I'm grateful for it and then I go home and go to bed and dream about pulling out his fingernails and putting Tabasco in there and uh, I just didn't quantumly forgive him but it took me nine years until I met him uh, we both were at the same tailgate and I walked up to him he actually flinched when I walked up to him thinking that I was going to hit him instead I put out my hand 
with forgiveness in my heart. I had forgiven myself. And he reached out and shook my hand. I shook his and said, thank you. Thank you. I would not be where I am today, but for you. And I forgive myself. Bless you. And I walked away. I was able to not only forgive myself, but give that same forgiveness to him quantumly. And I mean it today. And it took me nine years. Forgiveness is a practice. Gratitude is a practice. Accountability is a practice. Knowing your what, knowing your who, knowing your how, applying your why with now, all is a practice. That's why I give you guys outlines and templates so you can remind yourself, remember, recollect, you reunite yourself with the construct pragmatic practices so that every day you can look down at a piece of paper and say, hey, I'm going to give this a minimum of 10 minutes a day, knowing that a minimum of 10 minutes a day is worth more than 10 hours on a Saturday. Forgiveness will give you peace in everything that you do. It is a practice because in the end, Love and forgiveness are so closely tried. Centrality and neutrality of being in the flow, of being able to connect to and through this great source of love, light, and lessons that exist and be able to appreciate it through gratitude, accountability, to be inspired in spirit and give it away is critical to your expansion, growth, and acceleration of who you want to be. In other words, in the enjoyment of the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential your potential of what you want, who can help you and who you can help, how you're going to get there, how to prioritize what you should be doing now and applying your why, applying the passion, the purpose, and achieving the profitability, the wealth, the abundant, the limitlessness that's already there, that you can use forgiveness to clear the interference between you and that abundance in which you're part of. The other thing that forgiveness gives you, which took me years to understand, it gives you certainty. See, when COVID hit, so many people were telling me, these, these are uncertain times, Dave. What should I do? These are such uncertain times. And I realized that there's always uncertainty. In fact, I've told people all the time, as you know, hey, email me, david at dmelter.com if you need anything. Well, email me especially, david at dmelter.com if you can tell me exactly something that's going to happen tomorrow, that you're certain of it. Because if you can tell me something, you know, a stock that's going to go up certainly or down or crypto or AMC or something certain, I know how to make billions of dollars and I will make you billions of dollars and I'll make me billions of dollars and give it all away. So to this day, nobody's reached out to me with any certainty of what exactly is guaranteed 100% to happen tomorrow. Only thing that is certain is change. And we all know that the only people that like change are wet babies. Uh, and how do we counteract change with a certainty? It's forgiveness. And how do we achieve certainty through forgiveness? Took me years of practice and understanding and enlightenment. But if you are able to forgive the unforgivable, you will live a certain life. I haven't been able to uh, do that. You know, there's things and I just amaze when somebody gets close to forgiving the unforgivable, but to be able to hold that in your heart, to be able to forgive the unforgivable. There's a story uh, in South Carolina of a young baseball player. He's 19 years old playing at South Carolina college. And he played there. He's one of the best in the country. He played there because he wanted to be close to his single mom who ran the church and they lived a faithful life. And he came and saw his mom as much as he could from being at school there in South Carolina and playing baseball. Well, somebody full of hate broke into the church and killed the whole church group, including his mother. It was during the time of the riots and Everyone was worried that as the Baltimore riots were going on, that this incident would catapult and accelerate the hatred, the separation, the inferiority and superiority that existed in the South, especially in South Carolina. In fact, at City Hall, they still hung the Confederate flag at this time. 
the president himself reached out to see what he could do in South Carolina to heal what had happened from this hate, this hate that was predicated upon fear, the primal fears that we talk about, the need to what? Fight, flee, feed, and the other F word. This young man at 19 years old, when the president spoke with him, asked him how he felt and what he was going to do. And he told the president, I forgive him. My heart is full of forgiveness. I pray for his happiness. I look to understand why somebody would be full of that hate. I look to understand. And he came out in the media. They were trying to evoke hatred, trying to evoke separation. At 19 years old, his own sister tried to persuade him to go out and rally, rally his people, stand up for his people. This must change. Instead, he simply came out with love in his heart, at peace. And he told the media simply, I forgive him. I forgive him and pray for his happiness. I tried to understand what has happened and how he could be in a position to be so full of hate, so much anger, but I forgive him. That certainty, that unforgivability, uh, created a chain reaction of like kind. So instead of outburst and protest and everything, the community came together in peace. And peacefully, the mayor of that town had an instant referendum to take down the flag with no protest and no objection. Peace is certainty. Those who have touched, like this young man, this young baseball player in South Carolina, those who have touched the certainty of being able to forgive the unforgivable, the truth vibrates the fastest. It will elevate others to reach the same frequency or vibration. The invulnerability of vulnerability, the invulnerability of forgiveness will create certainty amongst not only you and everybody else, but certainty of faith, of the other currency, of faith that everything and everyone around you is all, is united, remembered, recollected, and reunited. Faith itself is tied to forgiveness in this way because certainty, not only peace, but certainty comes within the context of being able to forgive ourselves. Forgiveness itself is something to be grateful for. To understand that it's a tool, a mechanism to clear the interference, to find the light, the love, and the lessons. And the way that we do it is to practice forgiveness, to use it to identify when we separate ourselves, when we trigger ourselves with ego-based consciousness, with primal fears, to create the separation void shortages and obstacles, to take us off the track of knowing our what. What do we want today experientially? What do we want today giving wise? What do we want today receiving wise? And once we know our what, it allows us to find the who, who can be of service or value to what we want and who can we be of service or value with what we want. Creating and reaffirming through gratitude, forgiveness and accountability, that inspiration, that flow in spirit, that there's enough of everything for everyone, allowing us to live between limitlessness and infinity. And if we know our who, we then can execute on it in the most efficient, effective, and statistically successful way by knowing how. Studying with the mathematical equation of luck and love, what we pay attention to through gratitude, forgiveness, and accountability, what we put our intention through, gratitude, forgiveness, and accountability will equal these gracious coincidences in our lives, the abundance in our lives, the mathematical equation created through the lenses of productivity, of adding value, accessibility, of being accessible and connected through and to everyone and accessing what we want, 
connected to the abundance of everything for everyone. And of course, the lens of gratitude, that powerful tool that allows us to learn to love. Gratitude is a tool that allows us to learn to forgive and allows us to live with certainty and peace through those things. It also allows us to prioritize, utilizing the what, the who, the how. It allows us to do things. Remember, the difference between passionate, purposeful, and profitable people and everyone else is they get stuff done. They do things now. People that are paralyzed without knowing their values of the what, the who, and the how will be paralyzed from the now. They'll be stopped in their footsteps from getting things done. Those that live in gratitude, forgiveness, and accountability and know their what, the who, and the how have no problems executing on the now and applying the why. Why? Because forgiveness is the tool that identifies when we're in ego-based consciousness. Forgiveness is the tool that knows when we have created interferences, voids, and shortages, and obstacles between we and what we already are. Cancel out all negativity in your life by telling yourself, I forgive myself. Clear your subconscious mind of the 40,000 thoughts that may be detrimental to you of your what, your who, your how, and your now. Clear them through forgiveness and strive to forgive the unforgivable like my young friend in South Carolina that changed an entire city by using peace, not hatred, by using forgiveness, not attack. Learn to forgive yourself so others can do only one thing, forgive you. Give forgiveness to yourself so you can live with peace and certainty. Give forgiveness to yourself so you can apply your why and expand and grow and accelerate and live between limitlessness and infinity. Live with forgiveness in your heart with the mantra, every morning I am forgiveness. I forgive myself. I forgive these activities so that others will forgive me as well. Live a life pursuing the unforgivable. Be capable of forgiving the unforgivable and you will have such peace and certainty and happiness in your life that will allow you to empower others, to empower others to be happy. All right, it's time to take some Q&A from IG, Clubhouse, and of course, our webinar. I appreciate the over 50,000 people that have registered for this and put your Q&A in there. We're loading up very quickly. Ask your questions. Reach out to me if you want the templates of the what, the who, the how, the now. If you'd like my book, my ebook, my audio book, or me to sign a copy of the book and send it to you, I'll pay for everything. Don't worry. David at dmeltzer.com. David at dmeltzer.com. Thank you so much. I am forgiveness. Forgive yourself and others will forgive you as well. All right, it's time to rock and roll. I'll take some questions here online. The first person uh, up, I, I need the name. We'll get to the question. What does forgive the unforgivable mean? Well, in life, there's certain things within the context of your values that you feel you could never forgive. Everybody has different things determined upon their own values, experience, and quantum being. Um, for me, I would dream about if somebody would do something to my children, cancel, and I'm not sure I could reach that level of forgiveness. To me, uh, hurting children is unforgivable. Hurting children, my own children, takes it even to the next level. Unforgivable is personal to each individual. The closer you can come to forgiving as much as you can, the closer you'll come to living in peace and certainty. You have your own unforgivable things. Learn to pursue peace and certainty within the context of those things. If there are things that you have difficulty forgiving at this time, practice forgiving them by utilizing the mantras and the practice of forgiveness through gratitude, accountability, and reminding, recollecting, and remember that you are in spirit inspired. 
through into everything and everyone. Oh, next up uh, after this question is Jesus. Uh, how to deal with other people who aren't accountable for their actions? Well, first of all, we have no power to change anyone else. Too much time, emotion, value, and relationships are spent trying to change somebody else. That's why I look for people with open mind, open hearts, and open hands, because they have open minds, open hearts, and open hands, and they are open to understanding my perspective. If someone is not accountable, it usually means they have a closed mind. If you're living below the line in liability, and blame, and shame, and justification, uh, you're probably dealing with someone that has a closed mind. Not only do they have a closed mind, but especially today, how likes attract likes and the spectrum of data and information are conducive to the belief systems that people have, they probably are feeding the wrong wolf. They're feeding the closed-minded wolf, the one of hatred and anger. See, with the wolf that we want to feed is the open mind, open heart, and open hands. And so when I run into someone that isn't accountable, I simply find someone that is. I have too much connectivity. I want to be around people that I can ask, how can I be of service or value? And do you know anyone that could help me? If somebody has a closed mind and is not accountable, it is impossible for me to be of service or value to expand, grow, accelerate, and live in the flow. But even more importantly, it's an impossibility for them to want to help me or know someone to help me. And if most people are connected to at least a thousand people, I'm diminishing my capacity of abundance by the thousands when we cannot create that type of abundance in what we do by surrounding ourselves with people that are in blame, shame, justification, separation. So pray for their happiness, try to understand them. And if they cannot change or shift their paradigm into one of accountability where they tell themselves, what did I do to attract myself to this? And what am I supposed to learn from it? One of the key components in my hiring practices is that I interview people for accountability. I'll ask them, what's the worst thing that ever happened, ever happened to you and who do you blame? And if they go on and on about who they blame and what had happened and how they justify it as I ask them more questions, I know that they don't have an open mind, open heart, and open hands, and they're not going to be a good fit for our culture here at our business, or would they be someone that I want to do business or have a personal relationship to and through? All right, next up, I have Jesus. Hey, Dave. Thank you so much for bringing me on. Um, my question is about guilt and obviously forgiving yourself. My question was, is guilt still a sign of you not forgiving yourself or is it just something that's um, kind of interfering with your connection to something better? Great, great example, Jesus. So thank you. So guilt falls into the same energy, the same frequency as the need to be right, the need to be offended, the need to be anxious, frustrated, angry, worried, separate, inferior, superior, resentful. They all are triggers of the ego, of the primal fears that'll leave the blood out of your brain and into your body so you are incapable of using your higher power of thinking guilt itself is a trigger of the primal fears the freudian fears that create separation interference void shortages and obstacles guilt itself can be identified because when we feel guilty we would have a feeling that we should forgive somebody or ourselves for what has occurred to make us feel guilty and so when we have a feeling that we need to forgive, we know that the thing that is creating that feeling is a trigger of the ego. Therefore, we have to start the practice consciously of forgiving ourselves, subconsciously of allowing it to clear our mind through peace and certainty in order to effectuate our quantum being of the story that we've been telling ourselves or the separation or interference that we're creating for ourselves to and through that great powerful source light of love and lessons and everybody else. So guilt falls within the same swimming pool as all of the other separate triggers that do not allow us to accelerate, grow and learn that only creates interferences, voids and shortages and obstacles. Thank you. All right, let me take another question online. Next up, Keaton, uh, be ready. I will uh, take this next question. What are the bracelets that you're wearing? And these are the bracelets that I wear. Uh, first of all, 
The one bracelet is blessed by Dr. and Master Shaw, who's also created calligraphies that I trace. Uh, the bracelets themselves carry messages and energies and frequencies uh, that I believe to change uh, and uh, carry uh, who I am in a frequency manner. And the downloads that I take and use through tracing calligraphies every day. Uh, and the other bracelet is a gift from my wife as a reminder, recollection of the closest relationship, physical relationship that I have uh, in the world uh, with that bracelet. Um, why is that important? Because there's so many bracelets in the world. What does that mean? Calligraphies are my bracelets. Bracelets are my bracelets. I actually wore the same pair of socks. I know my mom's going to cringe. Uh, I wore the same pair of socks for three straight years when I started working out of law school because I thought they were my lucky socks and I was closing deals every single day and I thought it was the socks and I wore them down and through. They were crispy socks by that time I started believing in myself that it wasn't the socks that it actually was capable of selling. But here's what I'm trying to tell you. There's so many bracelets in the world. And the reason there is, is that there's only two questions to ask about whatever your bracelets are. Is it a bat, a hat, socks? Is it a lucky stone? Is it a bracelet or a necklace or calligraphies? Two questions you need to ask about your bracelets. Number one, can it do any harm to me? Right in the Aztec culture in Mexico City, the Aztecs, in order to reach higher enlightenment, you had to cut off your head. There seems to be great risk in the fact that if I did that and they were wrong, uh, I wasn't willing to do that. There seems to be far less risk in wearing bracelets. There's actually far less risk in wearing bracelets than there was wearing the same socks uh, for three straight years. Uh, I am uh, surprised I didn't have uh, worse athlete's foot than I probably did, but I didn't wash them as much as I could. Um, but ask yourself, what is the risk of this belief? What is the risk of this frequency or reminder or recollection or remembrance? Because that's what lucky charms are. That's what, you know, baseball players, especially, you know, with their different uh, systematic things like Jabu himself with the dead chicken in Major League, if anybody remembers that movie. The second question is even more important though. First ask yourself, is there any risk to me or others by wearing bracelets or wearing the same socks or turning my hat inside out or wearing this necklace or carrying a heart in my pocket to remind myself of whatever. These are all remembrance recollections and reminders and reuniters to what we are. But the second question is very important. Does it work for me? Does it work for me? So if wearing bracelets changes my frequency, elevates me to a higher frequency to raise my awareness so that I can help others, empower others to empower others, that I can create abundance and joy because I wear bracelets and there's no risk to me or anyone else, then why shouldn't I wear the braces? Because I don't have FOPO anymore, fear of other people's opinion. I have JOPO. See, every time someone tells me those bracelets are ugly, stupid, they don't work, I think to myself, I am so lucky because they work for me and my realities surpassing that person's imagination. I also feel lucky because for every person that feels that strongly against me and my experience, the need to be offended by it, I know there's an equal energy out there that I'm running a higher frequency to attract such a response about my bracelets, that there's an equal energy out there of someone who loves me and loves my bracelets and it's gonna work for as well. If nobody cared, that's where I fear. Jomo, the joy of missing out. Fopo, the Jopo, the joy of other people's opinion. Wear your bracelets in whatever form they may take, as long as they have no harm to you or others and they work for you. Wear your bracelets, they can elevate you just as well as anything else? Great question. I know it seems simple, but there was a, a, a very deep answer to, to that. All right, Keaton, hoping, hopefully you're still there. What question do you have for me? Hey, Dave, I hope you're doing well. We love the Team David Meltzer movement, and we love the positive impact you're making. My question for you is, can you overstudy your calendar? Wow, yes. You can over-meditate, over-study a calendar, 
overactivity. Why is that? Because you only have 24 hours of activity in a day. And a calendar specifically is relative to the activity of your day. Activity you have planned, activity you don't have planned, your sleep. It could be activity you get paid, activity you don't get paid. And it's just like meditation. People ask me, well, I meditated for eight hours a day. I'm like, why? You could not execute on that much of a download. If you studied your calendar for eight hours a day, you couldn't execute on all the layers of the onion that you have revealed and peeled in a day of activity. So I utilize minimums amount of time to not only aggregate and accelerate and compound the focus, for example, 10 minutes a day, equals 10 hours on a Saturday, just because of the conscious continuum of how the conscious, subconscious and unconscious work together to manifest and execute on materialized imagination, possibilities, probabilities, and perspective. But more importantly, if you study your calendar too long, you could not execute on all the activities and all the planning that you would find or reveal by doing that much studying. So utilize a balance mechanism of all the different things that allow you to be more efficient, effective, and statistically successful. I utilize a minimum of 10 minutes a day to study my calendar. I would never study my calendar for more time than I would have to execute. So people ask me, well, how do you know if you have more time than 10 minutes? Because I will give it a minimum of 10 minutes. How do you know when to stop studying your calendar? When I feel that I have revealed enough activity to utilize in the 24 hours that I've been given, according to my unwinding routine, where I get myself into position physically, mentally, and spiritually to go to sleep to allow my body to recover, to clear the interference unconsciously and subconsciously. Oh, great question, Keaton. A lot of people uh, aren't students of the calendar. If anyone wants uh, a document of what that means to study your calendar, email me, david at dmelter.com. Just one of the many things I'll give you for free. My book guide, ebook, exercises. I'll sign a book, send it to you, pay for everything. david at dmelter.com. It's easy, D-A-V-I-D, and... E-L-T-Z-E-R. All right. Oh, my goodness. All right. I'm going to take a question online. Chef Marshall O'Brien, celebrity chef, uh, you will be up next. Let me take another question online. Uh, here, someone from Team Grit. Joseph, what type of things do you recommend doing when you're looking for forgiveness from someone? Remember, you cannot look for forgiveness from someone. You can only forgive yourself. When you truly forgive yourself, other people will forgive you. When you love yourself, other people will love you. When you seek search for love, you will not get it. When you seek search for forgiveness, you create resistance, voids, and obstacles. Does everybody remember when they were young and that kid wants to be your friend? And he's searching and seeking and, and searching for your friendship. And it annoys you and you want to separate yourself. Who are you attracted to? the confidence kids, the kids that don't want to be your friends, the kids that believe in themselves, that love themselves, like themselves and forgive themselves. Joseph, my friend, only one thing you need to do if you're looking for forgiveness is forgive yourself. You then can give that away, but you also will attract those who will forgive you. People will forgive you when you hold that certainty and peace in your heart. You will attract certainty and peace of others. They can't help it. Remember my friend I told you about who got kicked out of his house and his wife wanted a divorce? That's the advice I gave him. I said, my friend, all you got to do is forgive yourself. Keep forgiving yourself. Stop calling her and asking for forgiveness. Stop chasing something you can't give, I mean, you can't have, that you don't have yourself. You can't give what you don't have. So he started the mantras, the conscious mantras, clearing the subconscious of any interference of that forgiveness of certainty and peace and sending a frequency to his quantum being of forgiveness. Believe it or not, in a matter of weeks, his wife was calling him with forgiveness in her heart, with an energy of frequency that was tuned into his and allowed him to come back to his family and saved his marriage, saved his children and created a new through the power of certainty and peace, through the power of forgiveness. Please, everyone, try this. 
Try the mantra when you wake up in the morning and pray for at least 10 people that you can help. Pray for at least 10 people that can help you. Pray and thank yourself for everything you have, the limitlessness and abundance, but also tell yourself, I am forgiveness. I forgive this, 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 and this. List out the things that you feel may never be forgiven, are unforgivable. Pursue that potential of forgiving the unforgivable. Live in the pursuit of peace and certainty. All right, next up, the celebrity chef himself, Marshall O'Brien. There we go. David, you're so kind. Um, I want to do a first question, really serious question, and I, you already answered it. You did wash those socks. I'm glad to hear that. That would have been yeah. really that would have been awkward at times, but uh, all jokes. This is really for folks that aren't maybe aren't super familiar with your stuff. Um, I had a call with David uh, Monday, and this whole thing about forgiveness came up, and I wasn't planning to talk about it, but I um, I took your advice as you're giving right now to the group, and I I got this thing with my mom, and I wanted her to, for, you know, how do I forgive her? And I ended up forgiving myself, and make a long story short, uh, we got together for a walk and talk on Wednesday through the forest by her place, and just had a beautiful time, and it was so peaceful, it was wonderful, I was totally present. Uh, no agendas other than just, you know, giving and receiving love. And it was really cool. And, and we just had a really nice conversation and walk. And we're now going to uh, we're going to do that every week. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to work on and I, I do have a question for you now, David, but I want to work on that one minute a day acknowledgement. And do you mind sharing briefly how you do that one? I thought you said you do like at least one minute a day acknowledgement of your mom. Yeah. Um, and let me just finish real quick and then I'll, I'll be done. But uh, David's stuff is really amazing. So for any of you who are curious, but, you know, whatever kind of hesitant, um, it's amazing. And so I appreciate you, David. And uh, thank you very much. I'm done. Thank you, Chef Marshall. And that one minute a day is for parents and children and grandparents and really anyone that's relative to you. If you want to clear interference in a relationship, every day for a minimum of one minute a day, make sure you acknowledge, acquire the knowledge for someone else of four things. Number one, let the person know, your child, or if you're the child, your parent or grandparent, number one, that you're happy. Number two, acknowledge, acquire the knowledge of the other person that you are healthy. Number three, Acknowledge, acquire the knowledge that you appreciate that person, meaning that they add value to your life, whether it's a child or your parent or grandparent. And then finally, acknowledge, acquire the knowledge of the other person that you love them, that you live in that peace and love with them. And that you unconditionally have no judgments or conditions in the relationship. And although at times it seems you have projected your insecurity, created void shortages and obstacles, and had attacks of separate feelings of the need to be right, offended, separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, angry, guilty, that you forgive yourself. If you can acknowledge to the ones that we love that you're happy, healthy, love them and appreciate them, you will heal very quickly, as Chef Marshall has indicated, all relationships. Because in the end, if you're a parent, you will know this. If you're a child, then you will understand this. The only thing a parent wants from their child is the same thing that God or Source or Jesus, Muhammad, Joseph Smith, or Buddha, whatever you believe in wants for us. Because that higher source is our parent and when we look upon that what is it that our parents want for us they want us to be healthy happy love them and appreciate them that's it they don't care if we're doctors lawyers or failures they don't care if we're married divorced they care that we're happy that we're healthy that we love them and appreciate them beyond anything else so if you can remind recollect and unite with that relationship, not just as a parent to a child or a child to a parent or a grandparent, but to the greatest source of light, love, and lessons, that the greatest source of light, love, and lessons only wants us to reveal what we already are, 
We are happy. We are healthy. We are appreciative. We are loved. What are you doing to interfere with it? Well, use forgiveness to clear that way. Use gratitude and accountability as its co-pilots into effectuating peace and certainty of who our father is and who we are the father of. In other words, what we are connected to and through and what is connected to and through us. It's that simple. Learn to acknowledge, to acquire the knowledge that you are happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. Love and appreciate it every day. A minimum of one minute a day and your life will change. And so will your relationship with the greater source of light, love, and lessons and everything else. Thank you, Chef Marshall. That is a life-changing lesson that I learned uh, as well. And uh, uh, sorry, <clears throat> we got the IG live. Mike Mamula keeps on trying to call me. One of my great uh, business partners, not a student of his calendar. <laughs> All right, I forget where I'm at. Next up, oh my goodness, the future of work. Let me take a question online. Michael, Mara, you are up next. Let me take this question here. How do we understand the potential that we have? Put it back on. How do we understand the potential that we have? Um, First of all, everyone has potentials and they're not the same. Everyone has potentials and they're not the same. I don't believe people have disabilities. I think they have different abilities. And the different abilities are in the context of understanding everyone has potentials. And understanding what our potentials are is listening to and researching what we come from and through. Meaning one of the ways to understand our potentials is look for generations, great grandparents, grandparents, parents to us, to understand the potentials or the characteristics, personality traits, obsessions and addictions that may have been passed down. Understand what quantumly we love because there's love in everything, but it doesn't mean that you love everything. I'm gonna repeat that. There's love in everything, but it doesn't mean that you love everything. Now you can work at finding that love and the harder it is to find the love, you'll understand that it's less likely that it's aligned with your potential. See potential itself and the love that exists and naturally quantumly usually indicates that's a potential of yours. And to understand and to explore and pursue that potential is what life's about is to enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of that potential. So when people say, I love what I do, you've learned to love what you do. It's just more aligned with your quantum nature, your personality traits, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions. So we need to find and understand potential through genetics, but also through mindset, heart set, to understand what we naturally love and work at that in a consistent, persistent manner. Does not mean though, that if there is something that is difficult to love, that you may not have the potential to love it. But usually if you look within the context of your genetics and what you acknowledge or align with naturally that you love, you will find that you have a greater, higher potential than other people. Another indication is to listen to other people when they tell you, hey, you're really good at that, or how did you do that? I wish somebody would have told me that when I was younger, to understand when they're like, well, I don't know what I'm good at. Well, here's what happens. When you have great potential at something, it's easy for you. And just because it's easy for you, doesn't mean it's easy for other people. And sometimes when other people are telling you, oh my gosh, how do you do that? You maybe should raise your awareness to, whoo, this may be something that I have a higher potential at. When they're like, you're really good at this, you may have a higher potential. Or if you tell them, I can't stop getting football out of my mind. I carry a football everywhere I go. That may tell you that you have a potential for that. Follow that potential. Learn to love that potential. All right. Last question up on Clubhouse. A dear friend of mine for years and years, one that I missed because he's been in New York. And now that things are opening up, I'm going to get to see him more often. Michael Mara, what question do you have for me? What's up, David? I, I, I'll give the stage to someone else for a question. I just wanted to, I wanted to pop in and just say thanks for, for doing these uh, under the club. I, I haven't been able to make them, 
in, in a while. So I was glad I, I saw you on here and uh, just wanted to come and say hi. And uh, I mean, you're like dropping so much knowledge like usual. And uh, for people who aren't familiar with David, please make sure um, yeah, to follow him also on, on Instagram and, and Twitter and stuff. And he is a, uh, if you're, if you're enjoying this, uh, I would encourage you also to check out his books, uh, as well, which are phenomenal. And, um, I guess I, I could, uh, throw out a question here for your upcoming show, which I'm excited about office hours, which is going to be, I'm not sure when it's releasing, but it's going to be coming soon. Um, what, what in your, you know, having these incredible, you know, massively successful people come on, who are you most looking forward to or who was the person that you enjoyed, um, you know, having on the show office hours the most out of all the people that you've, uh, that you've been interviewing? Yeah. So we just finished filming. Uh, so we have about 50 some of the greatest billionaires, millionaires, entrepreneurs, celebrities, athletes, and entertainers. So, um, I can't even remember. I mean, there's so many people today. I forgot we had Cameron Diaz on. Then somebody else mentioned we had Jack Canfield. And then someone else, Sharon Lecter. Then somebody else said Tilden Fertitta. And then somebody else said, well, what about Vivek, the owner of the Kings? And then, you know, they kept going on and on. Marshall Falk, of course. And I, I am telling you, Rob Deerdeck. How about that? I forgot that one. Um, you know, then you got Ben Baller and, you know, uh, Clinton Sparks and Ja Rule and, uh, Ray J and you know there's such an eclectic group of people world thought leaders to billionaires I can't even remember them all but one that stands out is somebody that I didn't expect and I loved everyone Danica Patrick sorry I, I left her out as well there's a, a few small names to, to go probably 40 other ones uh, but there was a guy uh, that owns a company called Creativity and he came on the show and he was highly recommended. He's a multimillionaire. He's an NFT guy and they create NFTs and they monetize NFTs. And I don't know anything about NFTs. And this dude shows up in like pajamas with no shirt and no shoes. And like my producer's like, you can't put them on. I'm like, no, I can. I believe in everyone being themselves. And this is a frequency or a story. Well, you have Jack Canfield and Sharon Lecter and, you know, all, how can you put Pajama Man on with no shoes? Well, because the way that we look, although people may laugh at you, scoff at you, make fun of you, he, he's successful for a reason. And I wanted to find out how did this dude in the pajamas and no shoes make millions of dollars and how does he understand NFTs and as a future for me, a value for me, the fastest way to get to where I want to be is to find someone that's an expert there and ask them for directions. And lo and behold, through the interview, through the process, I found out that this dude got into Stanford and went to Stanford. Everybody else laughing at me, even me, I got to admit, I had a few chuckles about his outfit, but talk about a slap in my face. I dreamed about going to Stanford, right? I got rejected by Stanford for undergrad and grad school. I begged John Hennessy. Oh, by the way, John Hennessy, the chairman of Alphabet, right? The guy who owns Google and bought YouTube, small dude on the show, right? That dude couldn't even give me a recommendation to get into Stanford when I asked him. And this guy went to Stanford and he lives a life that's extraordinary and his story was extraordinary. And I'm not diminishing the capacity of all the other people that I talked about or the ones that I forgot were on my show because there's so many of them. To me, this show, Office Hours, is the greatest accomplishment I've ever achieved because I was able to aggregate enough information to change people's lives, all types of people's lives, including people who wear pajamas with no shirt and no shoes. And I thank Mike Kulavisky, the CEO of Creativity, because you rank up there with all the greats that were on my show, all the ones that I mentioned from Cameron Diaz to Danica Patrick to Tillman Fertitta to Vivek and all my friends from Marshall Falk to, oh my gosh, Apollo Ono, I forgot you. Uh, you know, it goes on and on. But Mike, you stand out, my friend. I laughed at you. I scoffed at you. I made fun of you when you first came on and even on the show, but I applaud you. At that, we are over time. 
I'm a time freak, as you know. I thank everyone. Remember this email, write it down, david at dmeltzer.com. I will send you the five daily practices. I will send you my overlap agreement, my referral agreement template. I will send you my book, ebook, audiobook. I will send you the real book, sign it. I will pay for everything, ship it to you. All you got to do is be radically humble and ask. Finally, Michael and everyone else, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. I'll see you next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific. We're going to be doing training just like the Bat Channel. Thanks. Be kind to your future self. Do good deeds. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode in any way or found any value, screenshot it, share it, however you like. My only ask is you help me empower others to empower others to be happy.